hands together for Donnie and the machine. Welcome to the show, everybody. What's up? What's up with that? Hello, friends. Hello, friends. Who we got today? Today, uh, machine. We have two very special guests on the show, but we gotta wait for the music to settle in. All right, all right, let's wait. One, good two, three, go. Four. Hey, everybody, wanna do some podcasts? Hey, everyone, wanna do some podcasts? Uh, Machine, today we have two very special people in the house. We have Javier Garcia from WGN welcome, Radio. Welcome. welcome, dude. I'm glad that you're here. Absolutely, I'm man. Glad I'm you glad reached you guys out. Have me here, man. Dude, I'm welcome. glad you reached out, man. I love seeing you again. Welcome to the garage with the machine and Donnie. <laughs> and then we have uh, Marco Colapietro. He doesn't like when I say it, but he's an aspiring comedian, whether he likes it or not. It's not true. true. It aspiring is true. comedian. Oh, well, you know, I aspire. I perspire on hot days. <laughs> you know? As we do, we wear deodorant. Well, we I, speaking of deodorant, um, I've not been for the gel under my armpits rather than the spray. Cause the I spray, like the spray better. You like Actually, the spray? I like the spray better, yeah. This doesn't burn your armpits? Mm-mm. Nah. Okay, that's fine. Fresh all day long. Plus, the gel kind of like stains your shirt and stuff like that. It does, so. but if it's the clear gel, then it just kind of absorbs in the hair. Mm-hmm. Unless, you don't, unless you don't have hair in your armpits. Mm. I have hair in my armpits. Anyway, all right, sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, Javier Garcia, you're here, man. I appreciate you coming. The last time I saw you was nine years ago. We were in Detroit together. I know, man. It was Dude. that road trip uh, game that we went out there. Did yeah. you go to Windsor with us, too? I did go to Windsor. Windsor was nice. Yeah. I, I, anyone go, hey, you ever been to Canada? Yeah, I've been to Canada. I've been to Windsor. Yep. Oh, one of those trips. the Ambassador Bridge. <laughs> Isn't that a store, though, Windsor, also? Like a clothing it is, store? It is a clothing store. Yeah, yes. for women? So. It is. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. To make sure. I'm but sorry. it's also uh, like I heard Windsor before, but it's infamous for people that go hang out in Detroit to go to Windsor to go hang out at the strip clubs and casinos, right? Yeah, I didn't even know they had a Caesar's Palace over there. Yeah, that's, that's sick. Yeah, it was fun, but that was nine years ago. And fast forward. <laughs> So, uh, what are you doing on WGN Radio, man? What are you talking about? What's your um, niche? Dude, uh, I've actually been a part of the show, Market Overdrive, which is a real estate syndicate show. Uh, so, we basically bring in different people from the industry to, so they can kind of let people know exactly what kind of services they're offering and mm. kind of inspire other people to kind of become uh, real estate investors. Interesting. It's pretty good. Uh, you know, that consider that like my side gig. I'm a senior vice president at the Federal Savings Bank, empowering the American dream. Nice. We have ownership. a corporate guy in the table, everybody. So, Watch absolutely. Out. He's a suit. <laughs> no, but really, dude. Um, so let's talk a little bit about people going to college, people trying to figure out what they want to do. Uh, I want to hear your opinions on this because we had a couple guys mm-hmm. come on the, on the show um, talking about ways that people can disrupt the way the education system works. And, you know, college, is it right for everybody? Is it the right path? I mean, it's been jammed down our throats forever all now. their lives mm-hmm. you know what i mean it's super expensive still paying for it still i'm gonna be yeah. paying for it for a long time i think once you accept the fact that you are probably going to be paying it forever does it like kind of makes me feel like oh okay well I, it's, 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 it's it gonna be right? <laughs> like even when you file for bankruptcy that stuff stays with you man yeah you can't even put it in a bankruptcy that's the thing and i i'm a college dropout you know what i mean so I was fortunate enough that I found my calling at a very early age. You know, like I've been in, you know, mortgage industry per se since I was 16 years old. Ended up having uh, this one guy, John, who owned uh, Columbia Mortgage, come out to our high school. And he basically recruited a bunch of teenagers to be his dialers, telemarketers. Mm -hmm. So I've literally been calling people since I was 16 years old. Like, just, are you a homeowner? No. Would you like to become one? And I found my calling with that. You know what I mean? So it's, it's, it's something that... College isn't for everyone. Um, When I ended up going to college, I remember just kind of looking around me and just, I've always been a quick study. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't challenging. 
And because I was in the mortgage industry at that time, it was the height of the subprime market. So everybody was making money. Literally, it was printing money at the time. You right, had right. you had a credit. If you had a social security and a heartbeat, you were getting a loan with yeah. no money down. But that also screwed us later on, though. Remember? Well, yeah. yeah. Well, there's a, there's a couple things to that, and we could get to that a little bit later because I could go on a complete rant about it. That's a that'll take that's up a the whole hour. That's a separate podcast. That's a separate podcast. But uh, I was fortunate enough to find my calling, and I remember, you know, this guy. I was at a little Italian shop over here, New Concept Finance. So shout out to Piero Lasacco, who actually gave me my opportunity there. Um, and I remember this one guy, Mario Cantella, who was just like, "Dude, what the hell are you going to college for?" I was like, "What are you?" I'm like, "Marketing degree," and he's like. Let me go on Google right now and tell you exactly how much you could potentially earn. And then he threw his W-2 out there at me, and I saw exactly how much he was making. And he's like, dude, this is this is your bread and butter. He's like, you're good on the phone. You're good with people. Mm. He's like, you're really just paying to have a certificate up on the wall. Um, so I am actually very lucky that I pulled a plug. I remember my parents were pissed off because, you know, I always had straight A's. I always had a good GPA and all that stuff. But uh, go I told to college, him, I'm like, you know what? Mm-hmm. Exactly. Like, Mijo, what are you doing? You were supposed to be the one going to graduate <laughs> at college, right? Yeah. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to make my money this way, and I feel like this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. I can do this at a very old age because at the end of the day, people die. People need to sell their homes. Mm-hmm. People you know, are growing up, and they need to buy a home because they're growing families. So yeah. it's a sustainable business. Um, so I got to see a little bit of everything because I've been in this business so long. I got to see the subprime market where it was just frivolous lending, where people just giving loans out to people without actually explaining to them the terms and conditions of those loans. But, you know, like I said, it's not just the bank's fault. People were signing those mortgage notes. It's a promissory note that they said they were going to pay back. And the minute that those terms changed, they didn't want to pay it back. And I always like to say that misery loves company, mm-hmm. right? So, like, foreclosure was something that was very taboo. Right. Nobody wanted to be that person who was foreclosing. Yeah. Right. But at the time when your neighbor and Joe Schmo and your cousin Joe and everybody else is foreclosing, a lot of people were just like, you know what? Screw it. I'm going to walk away from the property. Here's the keys, Mr. Bank. And you figure it out. Right. And that's actually what I feel kind of caused that whole housing collapse. It wasn't the fact that, you know, oh, prices just automatically dropped. It's just that a lot of people just they were like, you know what? We made a bad investment. We can either file bankruptcy, go foreclosure, get back into the game in two yeah, or three but, years. But everybody putting out those loans, they knew that that was going to happen. At, at no, nobody point. knew that. A lot of people in the industry lost a lot of money because they thought it was going to be something that was going to continue forever, mm. right? But when the regulations started changing and you had to have the ability to repay, all these stated loans were removed from the market. So people that who were able to qualify on these loans, they didn't have to prove income. They didn't have to prove assets. They were able to just, as long as their credit score was over, you know, it's, I remember at some point it was like a 500 and above you were going to get. Boom, there's your loan, there's your you money. Loan. And 500 is a bad credit score. Awful. You know what I mean? You're sub um, 700. But people still knew that that payment, everybody knew, like, you can't take out a half a million dollar mortgage and expect that you're going to just pay interest only for the life. It's like, you got to pay that money back at some point. Yeah. Right? So I'm always a believer that you always have to be held accountable for your own decisions. Nobody forced those people to sign on the dotted line. They took a calculated risk on signing that mortgage to acquire that property. And at that time, everybody wanted to be a house flipper, right? They were buying homes. They were getting their contractors to come in. They were flipping the properties in less than 60 or 90 days in certain cases. So it's one of those situations What was the where, percentage of people buying houses at that time were fixing up and versus the people that were actually looking to just- Honestly, live? I would probably say 30% of the people that were purchasing and transacting at the time- They were all flipping houses? They were all amateur flippers. Hmm. And with amateur flipping, a lot of the times it takes short shortcuts 
and sometimes those flips weren't exactly the best. And unfortunately, the consumers who ended up buying those flips from those, you know, quasi semi, whatever yeah. you want to call them, flippers, they ended up losing out because either they have foundation issues, they had electrical issues, yeah. all these different problems because people took shortcuts. And that's where it all started. So what happened is that on that time, everything was usually a 3-1 arm, a 5-1 arm. And that's what really messed up the market. Mm. Because after three years, after five years, that interest-only option was removed. And all of a sudden, they had a full mortgage payment. It was no longer an interest-only payment. So at the time, everybody was like, oh, yeah, you could just always refinance again. We'll put you back into a 3-1 arm. We'll put you back into a 5-1 arm. The problem occurred when they removed the state loan program entirely from the banking sector. Because now those people couldn't actually show proof that they can actually pay those mortgages, right? In a lot of cases, it was a lot of immigrants, and this is one thing that a lot of people don't understand. I understand, so I grew up in the northwest side of Chicago, so when people think immigrants, a lot of times they think it's Latinos, it's Polish, there's Italian, oh, yeah. Bulgarians, Albanians, all different kind of people here who didn't have a social security, right? So they we're doing that qualify. podcast now. We're doing that. We're doing that banking podcast and they, now. And they couldn't. And they couldn't. And they couldn't do it. You know what I mean? So it's at that time it's like, oh well, you don't qualify because you don't have a social security. And even though you have your family living there and they're contributing towards right. that income right. in that household, you couldn't document that income. So they were stuck on those high interest loans, and it was it was just too hard for them to repay. Yeah, yeah. Because it's like you were getting a payment shock. If you were paying a $1,500 mortgage, $2,000 mortgage, all of a sudden it's going to $2,500 to $3,200. And they didn't have the ability to go back into an interest only. So the first wave was the people who in reality didn't qualify and started foreclosing. But then all of a sudden everybody's foreclosing. Everybody's like, well, screw it. I'll do it too. Everyone's doing it. Mm -hmm. I'll right. do it too. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? That misery loves oh, yeah. company, yeah. that mentality, yeah. where it's just like it just became the norm. Right. And that's actually what like really caused that. Bridges. Yeah. And I'll, just jump, I'll just jump off. And then All right, fuck it. The problem that occurred there too is because there was a lot of, I call them the, you know, the pizza guy mortgage people, right? They ended up starting to do modifications, right? Where they were telling people, oh, stop making a mortgage payment and we'll just modify it so that we could reduce the loan. Well, the banks aren't stupid. They wanted to see proof that you can actually not pay that loan in order for you to get modified. And there was a lot of people who were able to pay those mortgages, but because they got bad advice, they got behind, as opposed to saving that money that for those mortgage payments that they were no longer paying, they were spending it. So when they were told, I'm sorry, but you're not gonna qualify for this modification because it shows that you're making the money, they were so far in the hole, they didn't have any other choice but to foreclose. That's the problem we fucking stepped into. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure that that was a time that I met you, too, back in 2008, 2009. Yeah, we absolutely, to, man. We went to Detroit together. I, I, dude, I remember at the time everybody was crazy because they were like, how the hell are you sticking to that mortgage industry, man? Like, that's yeah. this is just collapsing. But so the way that now, I, now what, like, how did you go about doing it on your own now? Well, for me, I honestly, I saw the advantages, right? So because so many people, like I remember in 2005 or 2006, I think the number was like 23, 24,000 registered loan originators. Everybody was leaving the game. I was young because I was into technology. I was into like the lending tree leads and all these other lead options. I took advantage because I was like, you know what, my competition is leaving. That piece of the pie just got bigger for me. So just stick through the hard time and adapt. Everything in life is about adapting to change. Uh, mm -hmm. Amen to that. Right? So I had to adapt and all of a sudden we went from away from those student, those stated loans and everything like that to government loans, FHA, VA, 
And I was lucky enough that I hooked up with a company uh, by the re- name of Residential Loan Centers up in Des Plaines, and they were a big online hub. They were doing a lot of online leads, people who were looking to capitalize on the low prices because of all of these foreclosures. And I just adapted, and I, was, I just became a, a lead jockey. You know what I mean? I would just get leads, and I would call, and people were like, hey, I want to buy a house. We're like, okay, you got to provide pay stubs. you got to provide income documents. And I just capitalized on the market because... It was adapting, and a lot of the times, the real estate industry is really dominated by forty-plus-year-old, you know, individuals. Yeah, yeah. And a lot of the times, when you're set in your ways, you refuse to adapt. Right? I know that firsthand. I, so I, that that's in that's all that's in all me. industries that's too. That's really helped me, and I honestly tell people my success is really dictated on me just being too stupid of not quitting. I didn't want to quit. I knew that this is what I wanted to do. I dropped out of school to do this. So I was just like, screw it. I'm just going to adapt to the market. And if the market is right now based on online lending, I have a perfect apex. You have consumers who are going online to get their information. And you have a salesperson or for myself, a loan officer, a loan originator, who's willing to go to that market. It was a perfect environment for me. And that's where I thrived. And it was kind of bittersweet because I started making good money at then at that point. And everyone around me was losing their jobs because it was like with the height of the recession, right? A lot of people were losing their jobs. Businesses were going bankrupt. And I was capitalizing on that. There was a lot of different programs. I remember when the Obama administration kind of went in and they had these HARP loans and stuff like that where even if you were underwater, you could still refinance your loan as long as you qualified in regards to income documentation. And I just took advantage. Sweet, dude. Mm -hmm. So Gary V, talk to me a little bit about why you (laughs) like about him, dude. Dude, I really like Gary Vee because I could relate a lot to some of the the content that he puts out. So you're are you you're a loan officer for a separate company? No, or you the doing Federal this? Savings Bank. Okay, the Federal. Yeah, Savings I'm, Bank. A, I'm a managing partner there, and uh, I really love what we do there. Just because a lot of hard workers, um, our CEO, our chairman, everybody from the top down, everybody works. So you work in a in like an actual like like I said, like a chain type of thing, like where people are working from the top down, president, vice president, Absolutely. all that stuff, right? Everybody's working. So, uh, you know, Gary Vee talks a lot about like doing things on your own and set, branching out from that. Like, is there something you know what? in you? For me, in, in the for lending world like is so complex. It's, uh, I prefer the platform that I have. I'm able to lend in all 50 states. I could easily go out and open up my own mortgage company and it's gonna limit me. It's gonna limit the amount of opportunities. So for me, this is what I'm gonna do for the rest of my life, nice. right? So I like that lending platform because because I was a lead jockey, I was lending outside of the state of Illinois. I got clients in California, Texas, Florida, Virginia, Maryland, New York, you name it. There's probably maybe only like maybe 12 states that I haven't transacted in. Mm. And um, I've touched every single one of those people. I've serviced yeah. every single one of those people. For me, I don't need to open up my own bank because they empower me. Like, there's a difference between, like, working for someone. My business, I work for myself. Nobody pays me unless I close loans, right? It's a commission-only job. So when you're not doing that, then right, it's a commission-only job. I don't have a salary. I don't have anything like that. It's a commission-only job. So your hustle and your work is what you're taking home. That's why a lot of people tell me, like, dude, you work like seven days a week sometimes. It's like, yeah, because I want it that bad. And that's the one thing I love about Gary Vee. It's just that he motivates me in regards to, like, just his story, right? You know, everybody talks about, you know, oh, well, his parents had a wine company and stuff like that. So He, he was immigrant like a lot of fucking people here. Exactly. You know, Gary Vee rubs a lot of people the wrong way that just watch him for a second because they think he's all about, like, 
you got to go for this and you got to go for that and it's too aggressive and you think that he's trying to sell something to you that you're not interested altogether. Nobody right? puts he more be free good, content though. out there than Gary Vee. Yeah, and it's exactly right. Like, right? I, it's like it's a proven fact. I've done Tony Robbins. I've done Dan Hardy. Uh, they all, all these do, other people. They like all do some, people. some bullshit convention. They, they do conventions, but there's to. more of like a one-on-one, right? So like if you want a one-on-one with Gary Vee, you're going to be paying a, a pretty big buck. Oh, yeah, for like a keynote speaking or something yeah, like, like a that. Yeah, keynote speaking thing. Yeah, Gary Vee doesn't put out any content that you have to pay for. And I think when people say stuff like that about Gary Vee, they just haven't listened to him long enough or really like been an open mind about him. You I don't think saying? that they're open to – a lot of times people don't like um, that brash approach to things. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, you know, for me, I, I prefer to be real. I prefer yeah, for, for – I'd rather sure. have someone tell me something real. And that's the one thing I love about my bosses um, over at the Federal Savings Bank is like they've never promised me something that they can't deliver. You know what I mean? It's like I can go into their office and want something and probably not get it, but I feel good about the situation because they've always been real and they've always set those expectations. Yeah, yeah. I always say the root of all conflicts are unmet expectations. And a lot of people have an expectation that things have to be handed. In our business, you go out and you hunt. You, you don't to. eat unless you kill it. You know what I mean? So like as a hunter, you got to go out there and you got to keep hunting, especially if you got a good appetite like me. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. But don't you think like all these loans out there, they're just contributing more and more to... Debt problem? No, because those loans, those are mortgages, man. Yeah. So those are promissory notes, and not only that, but it's like the business is so regulated now. There's always going to be bubbles, all right. That's just that's just unfortunate. It's just the way the business works. Every ten to fifteen years, there's a bubble, right? But so right now we're like ten years into this. Probably about ten years. What what, what do you think? What what are your with your expertise? What do you think about the future? Part of your job is something I wanted to say that you make sure people don't get into that trouble. You know what I mean? Exactly. Yeah. Like there's set regulations now. Like we're so regulated in regards to making sure that client is properly screened to be able to make that acquisition now that it's going to be something where it's just going to be complete chaos in regards to like people just saying, hey, I'm not going to pay for it or maybe someone getting a little bit too advantageous and maybe acquiring too much. Like sometimes there's people who are just too aggressive. I got a couple of investors where sometimes they liquidate almost all of their assets to make acquisitions. Some of, sometimes it works out, sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes they take losses, right? But yeah. that's on them. They're making that decision. Our loans, the thing with about real estate is the number one vehicle to build wealth, right? At the end of the day, the stock market is volatile, right? Everybody's talking about Bitcoin like what, seven months ago or whatever. Cryptocurrency, right? A lot of people lost a lot of money on that. Do you know how much it's worth right now? I'm not even sure because I never, I never, I never followed it. I always thought that it was just something that was make-believe. You know what I mean? It kind of is, to be honest. It's like in a a distant world. People show the the picture of the coins, but that's not really the thing. Okay, but you do know that it's actually not about the coin itself, but it's about the technology. It's about how you acquire it. Yeah. No, no. About the blockchain technology. About the, like the mining and stuff. Right. I haven't gotten too much into it. I watched half a documentary about it. The whole future about this is this whole blockchain technology that they come over with. So it's not just about the cryptocurrency, but now IBM and all this stuff. It's like a whole type of new security technology of doing things that's that was the whole concept behind it because there's over thousands and thousands of different coins and cryptocurrencies out there yeah do you think it's possible for in people in the future to put bitcoin as a down payment you know what there's a couple people who were trying to buy real estate with bitcoin i remember seeing posts from people like asking like you know what do you think is this going to be acceptable is the title company is going to be okay with it do the regulations i never really saw i know that there probably did happen uh-huh. all right because there's a lot of people who are just really aggressive yeah I would have never accepted a currency that could potentially be volatile enough where $5 is always going to be $5, mm-hmm. right? Bitcoin to me and like a lot of that cryptocurrency was just like a stock. 
had the volatility oh, yeah. in it. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yeah. So that's why, like, for me, I would rather invest in real estate because real estate just keeps going up and it could build you some residual business as well, too. I know plenty of people who have multi-units, commercial buildings and things like that where, you know, they got 20 units in there. That's always going to generate income, yeah. mm-hmm. right? Because people need a place to live, right? No right. matter what happens, you're always going to need home. You're going to need shelter. Mm-hmm. So to me, it's like the best vehicle in regards to building wealth because these loans and everything out there, sooner rather than later, they're going to get paid, right? And then you just have an asset that is just generating you money. Yep. And that's what that's what the end goal is for mm-hmm. a lot of people. Um, sometimes people make bad decisions, you know? I know a lot of people who sometimes want to become flippers and they don't have a clue about the flipping game and maybe they have a bad general contractor Dude, there's who tells so much them, that goes into that it's going to be like oh it's going to be only like 50 grand and then you get in there you tear down walls and then you realize that whoever the hell did the last work on the property did a really bad job and all of a sudden you got to redo all of the electrical yeah man or you got you really have to know how to do that shit on by yourself because you can't you can't count on other people you can't count on or you got to trust whoever exactly is doing that's it, that's right? that's big too you got to have trust in the person who's doing it and yeah. someone who's not going to try to take advantage of you because there's a lot of people out there that are looking to make a quick buck mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Damn right, man. That's for sure. How, how do they get people? Like, I always see TV shows when they remodel places. Mm-hmm. What what kind of people do that? Like, do that, and who who pays for that? Is that the show that pays for? No, all they all they all pay for it. They just don't disclose the GC. Yeah, and I, all yeah you never hear stuff. about it's that, like, but they do some. Wonder, like, I was watching. Uh, there's a show on Netflix called Queer Eye. You know, there's Queer for the Straight yeah, Guy, yeah. but they do. Uh-huh. They also like remodel. You know, just their average drill kind of guy who needs. Um, they need like their culture is changed. Their 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 uh their interiors are changed but they do some like really good construction work in there like they never show that though right sure who pays i don't know i just i feel like it's it's all part of the yeah. budget yeah super That's interesting cool. but like yeah. one thing just to kind of go back to gary v right yeah go um, for it, dude. what i love about gary is that you know what he he's very real he's always telling people like hey i know that 99.9 percent of you guys probably in here are gonna fail and they're right? not gonna take my advice and they're not gonna take my advice and that's one of the things where i tell like at least in my business you could have the best business plan. You could go after the number one top agent in all of Chicago or on the whole country. Take their exact business plan. But if you don't take action, if you don't put it into work, if you don't put the work in to execute that plan, it doesn't matter. Yeah, for sure. Have you read his book, the new one, Crushing It? Yeah, I'm like halfway through it right Dude, now. Dude, me too. We probably got to be at the same spot. got to crush that book. <laughs> you, gotta read, you gotta read that shit in a I'm day, the, man. Dude, I'm the worst reader. Look, dude, they're not we, doing the movies like that. Yeah, now. can we? He wants you to crush that fucking book. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care. You want? You need to read it in minutes, not not hours, not days, minutes. How many pages is it? Ninety nine. Fuck it. I, I got the ADHD, You're not crushing man. it, dude. You're not crushing it unless you read that book at a fast pace. You're right. I think he's he right. got you. He's right. Gotta crush that 100%. book, man. I think there's something there. I, I think you can work with something there. That's funny. But it takes me forever to read. Anyway, what do you think his audiobook would be like? Oh, he's working on that actually. He's, yeah, it's coming out in March or whatever. It's yep. March now. Holy moly! It's gotta be one aggressive audiobook. <laughs> yeah, probably. Yeah. That's, well, his, that's what sometimes some people don't like about him. He's aggressive. Yeah. He drops f bombs all the time. I drop so, f off all yeah. the time. Dude, I like him. You know, too. Also, yeah. Tony <laughs> Robbins also swears. I mean, I, okay, I yeah. watched this. I watched a documentary on I him. It was Tony Robbins. You know, but yeah, he, there's this documentary I watched. It's like he does this convention where it's like six, seven nights, and he he talks for like hours. But like he he swears a lot. like every three words is a swear word, and 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 honestly, it, it's really bizarre. I, it looks bizarre to me. I, don't know, I say honest people swear. It. I prefer yeah. the swearing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, it, it definitely serves its purpose, but I listen. It's back. almost like over like to a point where like it just he's doing it on purpose. You can't do it too much. It definitely comes off as just like all right, dude, that's enough with the f bombs. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's yeah. not classy to swear all the time, but like it's definitely. 
like appropriate every once in a while. I mean, it just shows his passion and his fire for the stuff that he's talking about. Honestly, if you listen, if you really listen to Gary Vee and the stuff he has to say, and you listen to his different podcasts, you listen to his keynotes, it's very consistent. His message is always the same and it's super honest. And yeah. I, you know, people can see through fake shit. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. People can see when somebody's not genuine and somebody's not real. And I don't know that I would have followed him as much as, or have been following him as much as I've been following him if it was fake. I feel like I have a, I have a good judge for that stuff. You know what exactly. I'm saying? Exactly. Like, I, I think, like, for me, like, I always say, like, I always know when it's a bullshitter. You know yeah. what I mean? Um, you can't bullshit a bullshitter. Maybe exactly, we're the bullshitters. Right? Yeah. We're the bullshitters. So <laughs> you can't bullshit a bullshitter. But, you know, what I really like about everything is that a lot of the times he tells you not to worry about your likes, not to worry about how many people are viewing it because all it takes is the right person to view it. Yeah. Like for me, like I do a lot of stuff, you know, and I, yeah, I, what kind of side stuff are you doing? Like on social media, man, I, I'm actually working Instagram and Snapchat and Facebook, uh, a little bit more leaning towards Instagram. Just providing Snapchat. your, just providing your loan, just services. providing my content and, you know, services, uh, you know, humble bragging and stuff like that, where it's like, I'm helping somebody who like four people told him that he couldn't get a loan and I figured it out. Like I've always been a nerd. You know what I mean? So like you I, are really knowledgeable. Like I, I'm, I'm going to have to go back and listen to the, the the beginning of what you were saying because you were just going off and I'm just trying to take all this information and, and it's like, really I've always smart. been blessed man in regards to, I've always been a nerd. I've always taken information. I've always absorbed it and I've just been able to regurgitate it. And the one thing that I like about social media is that I can go out there and I could touch a lot of different people. Right? right, and a lot of times some people are like, "Oh, you know, sometimes you may be a little bit animated, or it's a little bit too much." But that's me. That's me as a person. Sure. I love helping people. I love taking that win when somebody comes into my office and is like, "Oh, well, bank." I can't really name people in specific, but this bank or this mortgage company or this person told me I couldn't do it. But like, just bring me your documents, bring everything over to me. Let's get together and let me get to work. And sure. I love building it because it's like, sure. I'm kind of like, I'm like an architect. I but build something together that's going to fit guidelines. I walk around in my office and I talk smack and I'm like, I'm the walking, talking all right. Well, see, here's the thing, man. You're not, you're not afraid to put your stuff out there. Right. There's plenty of people that don't want to put their stuff out there because of whatever reasons, you know, like they're afraid of ridicule. They're afraid of coming off strong. They're afraid of their losing their job or whatever. You know what I'm saying? So there's a, a million reasons why people don't want to do it, but this is this is reality, man. This is where For it's me, going. It's I put in the work. And sure. you know what? That's the one thing about Gary Vee where he's like, you know what? If you don't know what you're doing, don't go out there and start branding yourself because yeah. you're going to look silly. For yeah. sure. Oh, I've been sure. doing this since I was 16 years old. All right? Literally. 16 years old. I've been talking to people, trying to get them to apply for a mortgage. I'm 34 years old right now. I've put in my work. I stay quiet. I ate my humble pie. I got punched in the face. I got punched in the nose over and over and over again. I literally can put myself out there and be like, put me in a room with another originator and I guarantee you I will know more than them because I feel that strongly about what the work that I've put in. A lot of times people are like, well, you know, you don't have to work as hard. You could probably make more money at XYZ company. It's like, well, I don't want to make more per file or more per purchase or more per owner. That's not my game. I'd rather make a little bit less, touch more people, because at the end of the day, they're going to send me their friends and family, because I'm going to do this forever. That's my residual. I'm always going to be in need. I always get people who are like, I'm starting to do loans now for people's kids that I did loans for 10 years ago, 12 years ago, where it's like, yeah. oh, my mom and dad told me that I, I should call you and you, you'll be able to help me. And a lot of times, like I used to lie back then to people when they're like, how old are you? 
And I was like 21, 22 years old. I'm like, oh, I'm 28, uh, I'm 30 years old. Because it's like, who's going to touch a 21-year-old to <laughs> yeah. do their mortgage? Yeah. And dude, now the they're coming thing. to me yeah, and they're like, dude. wait, how old are you? And I give them my age. They're like, wait, you were like 28, like 10 years ago. And I was like, yeah, I kind of lied to you. I just yeah. didn't you know, want you to feel insecure about the fact that I was going to take care of your mortgage. But How old are you when you started again? I was 16 That's cool. when I started taking loan applications, wow. you know, for a top producing loan officing company over in uh, over on Belmont and Central. Um, they were a machine, man. It's like they literally had a bunch of teenagers. Like we were all like anywhere between the ages of 16 to 19 years old. Yeah. And they had us in a room with, you know, a headpiece and a dialer. And we were just dialing away for dollars. And we were just handing off those applications yeah. to the loan officers who were who were licensed. And I remember when I wanted to get my license when I turned 18, I was turned away. Because I was a really good telemarketer, mm-hmm. they didn't want me to take. They didn't want to take me off a of telemarketer, yeah. so I dipped. Ended up, uh, you know, meeting uh, Piero Losaco over at New Concept Finance through one of my mutual friends, and he loved my hustle. He loved my drive, and he was like, "Come on, kid." He's like, "Just go get your license and let's get to work." Perfect. It's and great when you have that love and you have that confidence. That's just meant to be. Exactly. Yeah. You know, and You're that's doing it right the one now. Thing I tell close. people, I haven't worked in like ten years, yeah. because what I do, I love. Yeah. I love what I'm doing. I love Phenomenal. I love those wins. To me, it's a win. Every single time that I give someone a key to their house, I just won because I know somebody else wanted to get that loan. Yeah. Dude, my man. Yeah. Fire. That's great. Yeah, that's that's fine. The great part of your job is that, you, yeah, you have, like, the paperwork that you have to do, which is really redundant, I bet, but the cultivating of the relationship with people, especially during a process of getting right. a mortgage, is ridiculous. You and the way that someone. you're with them and you have their hand and you talk to them and even, like, I had my, mortgage, uh, my loan officer, I remember I called him, I had a... a a bunch of questions, but I heard him in the background at the grocery store checking out his items. This dude was answering my phone call, checking out items <laughs> at the grocery store. Hell yeah, he was phenomenal loan officer. What's his name, Absolutely. dude? Called, Shot him up. The same guy that you. Uh, what's his name? Um, oh my god. Fuck, drawing a blank. Huh? Yeah, I'm drawing a blank now. Um, he wasn't that good. No, he. Wasn't <laughs> okay, I got it now. I got it now. David Demars. David. Oh, Demars. Yeah, David. David Demars. David Demars. That's right. Yeah, he, yeah, yeah. I, sometimes I just feel like, I feel like I want to call him out of the blue and be like, "Hey, man, every time I wake up in my place." It feels like Christmas morning. <laughs> yeah, he, honestly, it, he was a really nice yeah, guy. That's honestly, true. Yeah. like that's what makes it. You know how many times on Christmas I'll get text messages, like a picture of the family. Yeah. And it'd be like, hey, Javi, thank you. We we're celebrating Christmas yeah. in our house. Yeah. All because you home, made that happen, dude. Right. Yeah. And it's like a lot of the times what I tell people, it's like, it's there's such a gratifying feeling. You can make money in a lot of different ways, right? Yeah. Uh, you could be a stock trader. You could do all of that. But like in what I'm doing, it's service. Yeah. Right. And people are grateful when they get the keys to their home. Like everybody remembers that, you know, sure. just mm-hmm. not to be like rude or anything like that. But like I always tell everyone, I'm like, there's three, three points in your life that you're always going to remember when you lose your virginity, when you get married <laughs> and when you buy your own, your first house. Mm-hmm. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? It's like those things you just don't forget. And that's the thing that I love. And, it, you know, it's something where it always continues to give back. And I, I've evolved like every five years, nice. right? So like my first, I think I wasted my first five years just being a, a lead jockey, a sales jockey, right? Mm-hmm. I wasn't maybe building those relationships as strong as I could have. And then all of a sudden in like my mid twenties, um, you know, I got promoted into management and I started managing other people. And like, you know, one of my boys, Will Bailey, just a little bit of a shout out out there. I yeah, met him dude. at Bally's. Um, Cause like I started like really What's getting up, into really getting into my health. I was 327 pounds at one point, and I remember he used to see me in there just hustling, and I'm one of those guys where I just put my headphones in, yeah, I dude, put I on one of my man. favorite music, and I just get to the treadmill, you know, do my workout and everything, and I remember he was like, dude, what do you do? You're in here like two to three hours a day sometimes. He's like, what exactly are you doing? I was like, I do mortgages. And I saw his sales numbers, because he was a personal trainer there. I brought him over to work with me, and uh, he was one of my assistants for about a year or so. And once he became a banker as well, too, 
I remember his first W2, you know, he made over like 90 G's and he came in and he like hugged me. He's like, bro, he's like, I've never made this kind of money before. So now not only am I helping people with like buying a home and everything else, but I'm also changing other people's lives by bringing them into the business and showing them how lucrative it can Mm -hmm. actually be and showing them how to do the business right. So like, I feel like I've changed so many different lives and the people that I've managed, some people just aren't cut out for the business. And I don't say that it's a turnover. I'm like, I just don't think they're a right fit Mm -hmm. because this business, you are self-employed. It's like you're running your own company. You could work for a bank, you could work for a mortgage company, but at the end of the day, if you're not out there working, if you're not out there hustling, if you're not out there touching as many people as you can, you're not gonna get paid. And a lot of people sometimes don't wanna put in the work. And that's the problem. A lot of times people don't want to put into work. They just want the easy way. And you know, some people just aren't as motivated either. That's the thing. You know it's like some motivation just... is something where I always tell people, like, what, what motivates you? I was like, well, before I had my son, it was my parents. Because my parents busted their tail to make sure that we always lived on the north side of Chicago. We, you know, I come from two immigrant Mexicans who got here. They didn't know the language, but they worked hard. They hustled. They each had two jobs at a time. They didn't want their children to grow up in the South Side where, you know, sometimes a lot of Latinos go over to the South Side and because it's cheaper, cheaper cost of living and everything. But my mom feared that we would fall into a system where fall into gangs or fall into any of that. They busted their tail to make sure their kids lived in a good environment. And they were my why. Now that I have my son, that's my why. I want to build a legacy. Fuck yeah, you know man. what I mean? It's like I want to be able to give him opportunities that I didn't have. I'm going to make his ass work for it. By no means am I going to hand anything over to him. I'm going to make sure that he does exactly what I did. I always kind of go back to a story. You know, we grew up in Chicago. MJ was king, right? Everybody Mm -hmm. wanted some Jordans. I was 13 years old, and I was throwing a little pity fucking party and shit like that because my dad didn't want to spend $130 on a pair of shoes. And he's like, you know what? You want some shoes? He's like, you want $130? All right. He's like, you're going to come to to work. You know, he he was a, a butcher. Um, over at Morris Meats and you know Frank Maselli's out there shout out to him because he's been an outstanding man Wait, um, Frank hey Frank <laughs> right I have a lot of Italian influence in oh my life. Frank you know, growing up in Elmwood Park you're always around Italians <laughs> and um, I remember like you know they put me as a backboard you know and he, he didn't have to give me a job and at first I thought that maybe my dad was the one who was paying my you know my $50 he was paying me $50 a day uh, we would come in there at 8 o'clock in the morning the shop would close at 6 but it was Frank who gave me that opportunity because he wanted me to learn, right? He had his daughters working there as well, too. So, like, those are like my sisters, my sorellas, you know, that I like to call them. Um, but hey, learned. I learned, man. Yeah, I sure. learned. And so, you was... interact with people. You learn how to do a job. You learn how to follow rules, you know? Yeah. It's and, like... and that, you, you learn a lot about yourself and your own personality, which sparked you going into your, your loan thing when you were 16. Yeah. yeah. You know and it I mean? was like one of those things, like, when I remember that third week. I had my 150 bucks saved. Hell yeah. And my dad's like, let's go to Full Locker. Let's go get those Jordans. And I was like, nah, I'm straight. What Jordans were they, by the way? Uh, I think they were the sixes. Oh, the they, sixes. Were, they were the Michael Jordans. <laughs> they were the Michael, <laughs> like a, the Michael Jordans. Jordans. The you Michael know? B. Jordans. And, uh, well, and I was like, no, Panther I'm like, shoes. I'd rather keep my money. I'll take the $50 pair of gym shoes that you would buy me on your own. I'm like, I'm good. Just I'm going to le- save this money. Just learning the value right away. Damn, what was yeah. your job? Were you, work, were you working at the fish store at 16? I was working when I was 14. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, freshman high school. Did you ever? Do you ever remember saving something, like saving up for something? Big? Yeah, the guitar. The, right here. This thing right here. Wow, look at that. Same thing that's kind of it's cool. on the wall yeah overlook look at that Absolutely. Over. <laughs> I, paid, I paid that thing in cash yeah and like, that that's thing. the one thing that i loved about the neighborhood like kind of growing up in a park you know there was a lot of italians polish everybody yeah. was came from an immigrant background and that immigrant yeah, man. background man it really makes you work hard 
it makes you work hard because like your parents instill that in you all the time. For sure, but there's yeah. a lot of parents that work hard and then just gave the kid the easy route. Here's uh, here are the games, play in front of the games. I'm gonna go off to work. Here's the iPad. And they don't know what work ethic is. They need everything handed yeah, to them. Yeah, you can see. You know that. what I mean? So like, there's there's those, like there's good into it, and then there's also that the, the flip the flip side of that coin where you know kids just kind of they just wanted to provide what they didn't get provided to. Exactly. Yeah. You know, and then when they grow up, they, they life hits them in the face and they're like, now what do I do? Like like people who've never pumped their gas. I feel like. They- oh my god. <laughs> like my dad always gas pumped my gas. There's that gas station, gas station actually over on Milwaukee, and uh, I think it's Milwaukee and Harms. They actually still pump your gas over there. They pump still, your gas to wow. still to this day. Like, well, that's their thing. That, wow. That's their thing. They well, have a guy who pumps your gas. Those people need to go over there then. <laughs> <laughs> you know? We all know a few people. They still do that all over Europe. Yeah. 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 Well, mm-hmm. Europe. They did that in Oregon, I think. I mean, they just stopped. They just stopped. They had people pump their own gas. I think in Oregon or Idaho or something. Oh, yeah, yeah. And there's pictures of the people, people then, like people, people trying to do it, and yeah. it's like all awkward. Like, <laughs> yeah. Can you see me? Okay. People went crazy, like, I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah. I think we all had That's that experience crazy. though when we first pumped gas. I know, I, Danny, you had an experience. That was the I first was time. That, that was, was the, the first time. time I ever. We were there for had like forty-five minutes. He couldn't put the cap on there. Seriously? <laughs> and it was, yeah, I was like, "Is everything okay?" He's yep. crying. He's like, "Mom, I don't know how to put the, I don't know how to put the cap on." It was, he was, it was oh, terrible. So funny. I'm like, "Dan, everything's gonna be okay." <laughs> the guy from the, the, the gas attendant came out and he's like, "Everything okay?" Yeah, it was. It was he was very that, that happened yeah. that happened and I don't remember crying no he wasn't crying I mean, <laughs> that's just Marco's edit thing to, I, 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 <laughs> to make me look like that's alright though I mean I don't remember crying but I do remember having having trouble getting the gas thing off and it's funny because you grew up with a best friend who's lived around cars and breathes cars and makes money from cars and you have no clue about anything zero about I just know that I just know how to drive them and teach people how to drive that's right sure. I know how to drive car and I've been driving well, the same car for uh, 10 years yeah, and the Ford Edge, right? The Ford Edge, dude. Absolutely. There you go. But now, um, now, like they're saying, thirty to forty years. I don't know. I just made that up. But uh, <laughs> automated cars and cars just that driving drive themselves, them, driverless cars. And there's a lot, a, a lot out, but just for like testing. Uh, right. Like in, they have a bunch uh, of. They're companies. doing trucks right now. Actually, they're doing trucks. Trucks they got, are going. They're doing trucks, and they got a bunch of companies like in California. They're all doing their own little automated driving like experience. That's gonna I think take it's a long actually time, a good though. idea to be honest. With oh yeah. Well, the reason I say that human is error. because human error. what creates traffic jams? Human error. Human error. Yeah. Right. So or, like yeah. if everything Car is automated, accidents. I think probably you wouldn't have as much traffic. But we really got to make sure that technology is fine tuned because but human like traffic jams, human error is but. Um, if you ever go to Europe, they're, the way people learn to drive and the rules of driving compared to here is ridiculous. I was in Ireland uh, two years ago, right? When my son was born, uh, you know, my, my wife was uh, born and raised in Ireland. So we went out to Ireland so he could meet his grandfather. And actually, so I was like, I'll drive. You know, we ended up renting a car out there. And we literally were from Dublin down to Mallow to Dingle, mm-hmm. all the way up to Belfast and then back to Dublin. And first off, they drive on the left side over there. Okay. Right. So like every morning, I had that oh shit moment where I was going on the right side, and then like everybody was pissed off, like you're fucking American. Yeah. <laughs> you know, imagine what that's yeah. like. Imagine like someone driving on the wrong side of the road here. Like exactly. that's messed you up. Know, it's messed up. Yeah. So you know, like I'm pretty sure they're like, hey, goddamn American. And they're just like, oh, you whatever. <laughs> but you can't you know, do that. <laughs> I was surprised. It's like because, like you say, definitely in Europe, it's definitely a different style of driving. Oh, yeah. You know Big what time. I mean? Like those roundabouts. You know, I just always like make they, fun of them or whatnot, but. It's effective. It's efficient. They have a very big discipline, too. It's like left lane is passing, middle lane is for cruising, right lane is for exiting. Like here, people just drive wherever they feel like it. Yeah. The guy will be going 30 in the left lane when people are just trying to drive, you know? And that's so dangerous. Yeah. And they say the number one cause of accidents and traffic and stuff like that is not actually speeding or anything like that. It's actually making lane changes. Mm -hmm. That's the most dangerous thing. Really? Yeah. 
Check your blind I also spot, people. I think that America has these big cars. Like when I was in Ireland, like yeah, those they, cars are I mean, smaller yeah, well, out there. Like in Italy specifically, that's true. it's that's just true. small cars, small vehicles. Mm-hmm. That's true, but they're so disciplined on the driving. Like I've driven in uh, almost all over Europe, Switzerland, everywhere. Mm-hmm. When you drive in Switzerland, they only have two lanes, but they never have traffic because the people in the left lane, if you're in the left lane and you see in your mirror somebody coming up behind you, they, boom, move, over. they move right away. So cause if you're driving faster, they move. It's so disciplined. Everybody knows, like, don't mess around. Okay. But here it's just like guy be going it's 30. Free for all. Yeah, it's like yeah. go wherever you want. Like, <laughs> Ten and two. Come on, dude. Well, they just hand out licenses over there at the DMV. Here, yeah. You know, you in, in Europe or here? Here. here. What's here. it like in Europe? What's the process like? In Europe, most of Europe, you have to Once be. Once you grow your first facial hair, you can get a car. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Oh, yeah. you're probably gonna be 12 if you're. Yeah. If that's the case. <laughs> uh, <laughs> also, I'm not sure that uh, in a lot of places in Europe, the drinking culture is as like is much like different it is here. You know what I'm it's saying? It's so different. Yeah. I think England, you can drink at like 16 or something, or you can drink beer at 16 or something yeah. like that. Italy's like that as well too. Yeah, yeah. but it's yeah. just not so. Like it's just yeah. not so like let's drink until we get drunk and messed no, up. You like, know what I'm saying? It's like I think the problem is like when you make something taboo. You know, like it's yeah. it, that's the Very problem, good. right? Yeah. Very good. So it's like my dad. I remember when he gave me a beer when I was like twelve, and I tried it, and I hated it. Still to this day, I don't drink beer, right? But yeah. it's like take down a Jamo on the rocks, though. Guy. Yeah, right. <laughs> I'm, but, with, uh, I'm with him on that. You know, <laughs> but like it's just when you make it taboo, that's when kids want to do it. It's like yeah. you know, in Europe, like they show nudity and stuff like that the on TV fruit. and everything like that. They don't. It, it's not a big it's thing. Not, it's not a big thing. Yeah. yeah. Welcome to America. That's all. Yeah. All right. Welcome, Welcome America. to America where we do what's wrong. <laughs> Very attracted to it. We love it. Oh, oh my God. We want to do the dirty. But it is a fun place to live. I mean, it yeah. Is, yeah. The opportunity, we got malls. The, the opportunity is grand, though. You have to say, like, everything's out there in front of you. Like, you're, you're a good-looking, funny kid with the internet at your disposal, and you can make something happen if you just put in a little bit of Gary V work. Absolutely, oh man. Just you know put what I'm it out there. Just... So hold on. Listen to this. Before before we were talking, Marco was saying how much he doesn't like Gary V. Let's. Let, I never I wa- said. I just said I wasn't attracted to, to get, like what he has. He doesn't like his like, approach. Okay. I don't like the approach to to aggressiveness, uh, especially, yeah, when it, when, especially when he's very vague about it, too. And, and, and especially when it's something that's not really, you know, my my Forte. lifestyle or my, my thing. You know what I mean? So when I see something like that, I'm like, ooh, all right. No, thanks. You know, it's not like saying I don't like him. You're it's right. just not, you know, I don't pound other things. You know, if I said, you know, watch Rick and Morty, watch Rick and Morty, Dan. You know what I mean? <laughs> I'm not, I'm like not, when ag- I, when I'm not aggressively throwing this at after When you. I introduce Rick and Morty to Danny, Rick, have you watched Rick and Morty? Yeah. It is a phenomenal TV show with so many good life messages and, and, and it goes, and it's such an art and there's so, such a good following to that show. The, the second I was like, Danny, why don't you watch Rick and Morty? No, I want to see that shit. Right away. I don't want to see that shit. <laughs> Stupid very shit. Very true. I was very it's close-minded. Very okay. And now okay. he he. he but we also have to Rick understand, I don't, I, I don't technically enjoy Rick and Morty because I haven't watched it yet. I'm not the biggest fan of cartoons, but I will say I was close-minded. But guess what, dude? I'm not my past. I'm, I'm trying to be better. Right. And I yeah. want to document it. Past doesn't exist. I'm okay with it. I'm improving every day. I'm trying to. <laughs> and you, you know what? You can't judge a book by its cover, Dan. You can't. Because it's you a can't. cartoon doesn't mean it's not good. No, you're yeah. right. You're yeah, right. It's but so it's, good. It's hard. Peppa, Peppa Pig cartoon, phenomenal. <laughs> we all love Nick Jr. We all love cartoons. Adrian loves Peppa Pig. Does he? Isn't that kind um, of funny? Baby Adrian. <laughs> I love Dude, Baby Adrian is adorable. Baby. That's his nephew, by the way. Javier, yeah, I'll keep you in the dark. That's what he calls his girlfriend, Baby Adrian. But uh, but back yeah, to Rick and Morty, like baby I, Adriana. Since, <laughs> I'm sorry. since I can be fairly philosophical when I talk about things and like just just like you, Javier, going after what you want to do and you know just really going all in and not really caring about what people think. And then we started the podcast, you know, like I want to put this out there because it's fun. 
number one, and it it's inspirational and it helps people. And if it doesn't help people at scale yet, it's helping our group of circle, right, our circle of friends right now. And everyone's kind of just doing their thing and putting themselves out there and taking risks, which is good because it helps our inner circle grow. And that has ripple effects out there. Absolutely. And if you keep consistent at it, keep going and keep going, you develop more things and things turn into its own and develop into their own thing. And maybe something could come of it. But the, the matter of fact, the, the one thing that, after all that is we enjoy doing what we're doing right. you know and we're having fun doing it and i want to keep doing this because it's fun and you, you guys, guys are great no and this wouldn't have ever right. happened like we wouldn't i wouldn't you would have never reached out to me if i didn't have shit on, on instagram Absolutely, or facebook man. you know now we get to hang out and have this great conversation i get to see how passionate you are about what you're doing and spreading that love because i think people need to get inspired yeah. people want to be inspired in every single way shape or form that they can we have this technological advance right now People could use it to their advantage if they choose to or not. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But we have it to our advantage, and it could be effective, and it could be worth in a positive way. It will way. be effective. It, it, and I'll it, tell you it, this, it, right? You're right. right. People watching about... you. That's my loan officer. That's my loan officer on Facebook right <laughs> Or oh, that's my teacher. Or that's the comedian I saw last night. Or that's exactly. the dude that's music I listened to. Or that's the dude that cut me off in traffic. <laughs> <laughs> ah, dude, I hate that guy. He sucks. You know what, man? The... Where does he work? No. <laughs> the thing is, like, you got you to gotta live every day to try to help someone else. You know what I mean? Like if you help someone else, it's going to come back to you tenfold. And you don't know who's out there who's listening. You don't know. Oh, like, man. dude, I'm like, when, I, when we met each other, right? We met each other at the gym, right? Yeah. You know, all these guys that were in there, we're all doing some pretty cool stuff now. You're right. You know what I mean? Like, we all got something going on. And you know what? Out there, for me at least, the reason I put my stuff out there is because I know that there's a little Javi G out there who's nine years old right now who may come across some of my stuff and maybe he's in the same exact situation that I was in when I was nine sure. years old. And he's gonna be like, dude, if that dude could do it, I can do it. Right? You're right. And you know that's the same thing for you guys. Here's like, another thing too, dude. Back and, and just to go specifics in that gym, there was a lot of people that built a lot of relationships there. Absolutely. And ironically, no, I'm working with Bart right now. Okay. Uh he used to work there yeah. as well. And it's just so weird how things start to happen. Like me and Bart were talking yesterday about how everyone in that gym is now doing something cool. Like you just said, everyone's got their own little thing. There's a bunch of people that want to be firemen. There's a ton of people that want to do this or that or still doing their fitness thing or created their own gym, you know? We all affected each other at Absolutely. one point point or another you know what i'm saying and just to kind of check in and see how everyone's doing every once in a while is awesome and contagious yeah you know, you know what what's I mean? like one thing i can like account to that is like we all have a, a special something right like my thing was business i was really good at business sure right willis was really good at working out and you know doing all of that he helped me put myself in the best shape of my life yeah man. right and i keep that going because like really taking your health into account Makes you very disciplined. I always kind of get irritated when people are like, how did you lose all the weight? Simple, man. Watch what you eat and work out. Yeah, man. Like everything, my transformation, 20% of it, you know, was effectiveness in regards to the working out and everything. 80% of it was my diet intake. And that's probably the hardest thing. Mm -hmm. I always say that in America, the biggest drug that's out there is food. Right. Mm -hmm. You go out to the store and it's so hard for you to actually like eat healthy sometimes because there's so much junk food out there. And like people don't even like educate it. Like the... The educational system is so outdated that food pyramid. Dude, like, I, I'm, I teach health. Trust me, dude. I'm about to like, uh, honestly, I'm about to switch. Rant. I'm about to listen, dude. I'm about to switch. <laughs> I'm about to switch careers because of the way the education system is right now. Like, it's just it's too rigid. It's not very nuanced. And anytime somebody has nuanced ideas, they basically shun them and say hey we're, we're you know we're not going to go this route yeah. and if you don't follow the rules if you don't follow what the higher ups have to say then it's you know like if what you look at it, school, it, you school make yourself to prepare you for adulthood 
right? It doesn't. And it's People, so outdated. Yeah, like, why don't outdated. they teach kids about like you know balancing their checkbooks and you know how to save money? How well, to- listen, they, 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 there's a lot of teachers that do some fun stuff. There's de- there's a lot of great teachers out there. It's just, I would say the system overall needs to be changed. Yeah. You know, the system overall, the 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 time of the day, the period structure. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like all that stuff needs to get changed. And then uh, also to T- less focus on assessment, yeah. more focus on letting kids be and providing learning opportunities in real time. Like Gary you know says, I mean? right? Work on your strengths. You're right. Work off your strengths. You're like right. A lot of times they what... do these assessments and they make kids feel stupid because they got a low test score. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. Yeah, Maybe the sometimes they're just not good test takers. Yeah. They're not stupid. Yeah. Did, did you happen to catch that? Um, I think it was Philippines or somewhere. Some principal of the high school sent out a letter to all the parents. If your kids come home with bad grades from the assessment test or whatever, don't even sweat it because there could be an athlete there could be a musician there could be this doesn't mean anything there's so much growth in other areas that's almost impossible to calculate and that's what administration wants they want to see what the numbers are Mm -hmm. they want transparency they want to know why the grade is what it is to the parents to the admin and to the Mm -hmm. student they want everything out on paper Mm -hmm. and that's the safe route okay but the problem is Max growth out of a kid doesn't come from that kind of assessment. No, okay, it doesn't come from that kind of assessment, and I don't know what that assessment is yet. But my philosophy is just keep putting real style situations inside the classroom. Let the kids learn about themselves. Let them learn with each other. Let them learn how to develop personalities. That stuff is hard to assess, but is the most important stuff that's mm-hmm. needed. Absolutely, you know what I mean. Teachers gotta teach from the heart, and they're teach- for sure. And they're told to do exactly the opposite. Which is very, very yeah. exactly, like, dude. And they got so many like teachers. That. They have such big hearts, and they care about these students. But they're told to do exactly the opposite of what they're in feeling inside, and yeah. it's very, very tough. And you I see had a, a lot teacher, of and rest in peace, things. Mr. Anthony Walzak. He got in trouble, right? And I remember a senior year in high school, and he like was just put it out there, and he was just like, "Guys, the worst mistake you could possibly make is taking out student loans." Mm-hmm. Administration wasn't too happy that he was putting that message out mm-hmm. there. Right? Yeah, dude. But I thank Anthony Walzak for giving us that advice because I didn't fall into the trap of getting student loans or anything like that. And I thank God because now as a lender, when I t- see some applicants and they got like 70, 130,000, that's a mortgage. Yeah. They're coming out of school You're as a 21 year old, 22 year old, 21 year old, 22 year old with a mortgage already. Yep that you can't do anything about. And, and then all of a sudden, a you have a degree that you're not even going to put to work because nobody's hiring out there. That's why like, I always kind of like try to like push people to become entrepreneurs in, in every sense of the word because if you're not working for yourself, you're a slave. It's true, and you're living for the weekend. And, and when, if you're living for the weekend, your shit's broken. Exactly. Hands down. And what happens when you're doing that, when you're working for a corporation or where you work in, in a situation, well... If the people above you don't know what they're doing and that company goes under, guess what? You're out of a job, right? Like the one thing that I learned about the recession 10 years ago is that a lot of people put in that work, right? They were slaves to the company that they were working for, sometimes 15, 20 years. I remember this one gentleman who was like a president of like some credit union or whatnot. Not wasn't a college graduate or anything like that, but it was just more of like a salary job and everything like that. He worked his way all the way up the chain. When that company went under, he ended up working as a car salesman at Toyota. Yeah, man. It's a, it's a common tale. Mm-hmm. And that's why I tell people, like, empower yourself. That's why I love what I do because it doesn't matter whether it's at my company or another company. Like, I'm always going to do loans and I know guidelines and I'm going to be able to help people and put them into a better position. I feel empowered. Sure. I work for myself. Sure. Um, and I always, like, t- t- preach to people. It's like you got to get that inner entrepreneur 
out there because it's like otherwise sooner rather than later something's gonna break for sure but you know what like not everyone's the same not everyone has yeah. the same hustle not everyone has the same motivation not everyone has a self-awareness to understand what they actually have when they have it in the time frame that they have it like in this day and age you know what i'm saying in this day and age we have the internet you have any way that you want to broadcast yourself it's not like how it was in the 90s it's not like how it was even 10 years ago it's different now and we have the power to broadcast what our value is right. if you have value if you have a niche if you have talent if you have that work ethic and you choose to put yourself out there on social media the proper way which is the future everyone's got their heads buried in their cell phone let's be honest with ourselves we have to adapt with the times like you were saying earlier we have the tools learn how to take your niche learn how to take your value and put it out there and make it your own forget any of the excuses forget any of the reasons why you think you might fail or get ridiculed or any of that there's no greater feeling than helping people and doing it on your own time absolutely you know what yeah. I'm saying and if you can do that at scale and monetize from it everyone's fucking happy yes but absolutely. it also it also depends on what product you're sending out there. You know what I mean? I think social media gets so, so totally washed out when it comes to everyone just putting, venting. They're just yelling yep. into this void of, of darkness. Like, I did this, I did that. And when you put things out there, it yeah, to you, it's, it's going to be, it, it depends on what it is. But I feel like when you want to put something out there, since there are a lot of people interested, it has to be polished. Like you said, it's your, it's your work. Like make you, it yours. Yeah, make it yours, but it has to be something worthwhile because there's a lot of garbage out there. You want something to put out there that's going to stand out exactly absolutely like one thing i hate is like when people like just be sharing yeah some shit over like so over. i went to the mall today and guess what there was this person who's wearing the same pants as me it's like why would you put that why wouldn't then people got start getting upset because they're like why would you waste the time to put that out there and then it creates this negative cloud when you look yeah. at their name and you're yeah, like oh see, i don't want to see that kind of like i've been steering away from facebook to yeah be honest it's with you. just like, like facebook like sometimes you open it up and it's just like just rants, complaints. Yeah, but, but okay, there is rants. there is a lot of that shit out there, and that's just your thousand people that you've built over the time that you've had Facebook. But if you use Facebook properly and use it to promote your business, promote your thing, promote your music, promote whatever, then it's a good tool for that type of stuff. And everything else, forget about it. Yeah, yeah you can forget about it. You can forget about it. You can think that it's just you're like th those people that complain about those statuses are just as bad as the people who are commenting complaining about or what what or just as bad as the people even saying the actual status who gives a rip just use the platform for what it is and that is a connection piece to right. keep people in in contact yeah. and also promote things that are are purposeful to people yeah if yeah. you know yeah, what i'm if saying you attract social you can, media you can do that and that's just facebook yeah. instagram works a totally separate way that's why i stories, love instagram and snapchat yeah. stories Those work my... totally different right and then podcasts have their own realm as well right. like if you have like what you do you provide a service you help people get loans you help people figure out how that works you could have a podcast talking all about that helping people who want to get into your shoes right. that's another way that you can broadcast yourself and promote yourself these are all ways that we can do now that 20 years ago 10 years ago even it was you know 10 years ago yes but it wasn't as popular as it now it was difficult because you needed that middleman exactly you needed that really expensive equipment now you can do this all from yourself you an American online dude. honestly like that's what, like when radio companies are like you know their sales advertising people i remember they come to me like oh you know you want to do it's some dead. radio you want to do some tv promotions and i was like you know what no it's I dead don't. because you know what people are all on their phone it's dead if man. you don't have an iphone or an android or whatever it is 
that's all people are yeah. on constantly. YouTube, Snapchat, Instagram, Facebook, yeah. Pinterest. You would, you would, want, would you There's put a bus? So would you put avenues. a bus ad for your for like uh, your loans or like a, to promote your as your as a, a bus ad or a, a billboard or a bench ad? Or I think that'd be, that'd be kind of cool too. You know what? It's something that's visual. Yeah. And I would say that if you're trying to conquer a territory, yeah. like in you know our profession, I always say you know try to conquer your backyard. Yeah. You know, so in certain instances, it's good. You know what? Because yeah. it's still going to be in the public eye, public perception. Um, but in regards to like spending money on radio, it's, I always kind of go back to like when TV first came out, right? Yeah. And everybody was like, oh, you're never going to replace a radio star. Like, what are you talking about? TV took over. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. So right now it's all about the online base. So that's the next wave. And then and the TV now is the old radio. Exactly. That's right. So that's what people are, are not getting. Like that's why a lot of these, you know, newscasters and everything, they're starting their own social media pages yeah. and stuff like that because they're now going, they're getting themselves out there. That's right. And they they just released that middleman and they can monetize and keep everything for themselves. Really. Well, that's kind of what going back to the Bitcoin, that's what Bitcoin does. It erases what? the middleman of transactions of banks. Well, that's Sorry, that's the that's the one that's, that's the so we're the, we're, the, we're, we're, the, the, uh, the, we're trying to tie everything together here. It's great. Sorry. Go ahead. Well, no, this yeah. is good. <laughs> and then and obviously like and this going back to your argument, Marco, even though this wasn't polished or this wasn't like prepared yeah we had some talking points that we wanted to hit on and we didn't even get all of them and it doesn't matter yeah. but it's still a conversation that's useful and it's still a conversation sure. that's going to help people if they choose to listen to it yeah, right. you know what and even though this is in its infancy now 29 what, uh, what episode are we 29 29 episodes in you know it's so young you don't start getting traction until two three four five years in and that's if you hustle every single day exactly. on all single pla- on all these different platforms you oh. know this is just a conversation that could be referred to 10 years from now 20 years from now five years from now 10 days from now you know what i mean it doesn't matter it's useful information that's going to be out there and you keep building yourself you keep building your character little by little they say you put it out there they will come yeah bro it's it's like i owe you have you guys ever heard of the year you know the 10-year rule no like the 10-year rule is basically they say that when you start doing something it usually takes you 10 years to perfect your craft Mm -hmm. right so like even if you're talking about athletes Kobe, Jordan, and stuff like that. Well, they started playing when they were kids, right? Right. right. And then they start maturing. Once they get to that 10-year mark, it's like all of a sudden it's like lights on. Mm-hmm. I know for a fact that that worked for me. I know that if, after 10 years, I kind of hit that curve where it was just like I got it. Everything like just synchronized. And that's why I say put in the work. Don't go into something and expect immediate gratification. Like you're just going to be a rock star. Yeah, and yeah. Just everything is going to work. Nope. Talk to any business owner. Who's ever started a business, whether it's a mechanic, whether it's a grocery store, whether it's a restaurant, you have to put in the work and you have to do it consistently. You can't start a restaurant and get great service. This happened to me at this uh, at this one restaurant once. We went there. Phenomenal service, man. Phenomenal. Like they came in. They were Shot them out. Huh? Shot them out. They're closed now. <laughs> <laughs> Which is where I'm going. Ah, Which is out. where I'm going. Right. Them. Phenomenal, man. Just phenomenal service. Great food. We went there like seven months later because they got hyped up. They were on uh, that Check Please uh, show on uh, Channel 11, and the service sucked. There's nothing – I like to eat. Like that's where like I'm not a person who likes to go out and buy Gucci stuff, Rolex says. I like to eat and I like to travel. I've traveled a lot. I've been to a lot of countries. That's my thing. I want to see the world. And we went back, and like they were leaving plates on the table after we were finished with the appetizer. Like the service just wasn't there. I was like, I'm never coming to this place again. And I guarantee you – that they thrive for a good five or six months, but then they got lax. Yeah. And they stop providing that service. Can't get comfortable, man. You can't get comfortable. You get com- you, you have to be comfortable being uncomfortable. Exactly. And that's it right there. Exactly. And that's like the one thing that I always tell everyone, never stop your drive. Anybody can get to the mountaintop, but to stay in the mountaintop, 
that's a different story. People underestimate how difficult it is to be the fucking best for a long time at the highest level. Because there's always going to be that younger, aggressive person who is coming after you. That's right. Right? Everybody wants to, everybody starts as a guppy. Nobody's born a whale. Right? So you just got to keep eating. You got to keep going at it because the minute that you let your guard down, that guppy is going to have that hunger and they're going to grow to be a whale. Damn Before right. you know it, they're going to come after you. So that's like one of those things like where like for me right now, like I feel like I'm coming into my own. I've put in the work. I know this business better than anybody. Even the real estate side, I know that the hustle better than anybody. So it's like a lot of these whales that are out there who's try to get their ego and stuff and sometimes don't know who Javi G is. It's like be careful. Because <laughs> be careful. I'm coming and I know where this business is going. I know how to market myself. And now it's my turn to punch you in the nose. All right. Yeah. You know what? I think that's a great way to wrap this up, my brother. Where can people find you? Everybody could look for me at www.thefederalsavingsbank.com forward slash Javier Garcia. You can email me at closemyloan at thefederalsavingsbank.com. Or you can also reach me directly. I give my cell phone out to everybody. Oh, 312 479-5705. We're here to empower people. We're here to show you a different way. There's no reason for you to be paying anyone else's mortgage or anyone else's investment when you could be making your own. And you're on Instagram at Javier Garcia. Javier Garcia underscore MB. Javier Garcia underscore MB. Dude, thanks for coming here. We just about guys. an hour. I, I love what you guys have going on. Hands man. in, guys. Dude, I appreciate it. Hands <laughs> in. Hands <laughs> in. What are we doing here? We're doing <laughs> tier <Steer> figures. figures. <laughs> Let's do mortgage, ra mortgage rates on three. Ready? One, two, three. Mortgage rates. Everybody, thank you for listening to Donnie the Machine. Uh, listen to us on YouTube. Subscribe to our channel, please. Subscribe to us on SoundCloud. Do it. Do it. Donnie and the Machine. Instagram. Instagram Donnie Don't and the Machine. Don't be a taker, all right? Subscribe. Please subscribe. Uh, Javier, thanks again for coming. Sabri, Sabri the Machine, leave us with some music, pal. Peace. See ya.